For those of you paying attention, there's not supposed to be a show this evening. I'm currently traveling across the country to attend a couple weddings and my first ever Crypticon, and recording on the road isn't exactly an option. But I decided instead of going dark, I would just play one of the Patreon episodes. I thought this would be a great way not only to share what Patreon has to offer, but also keep the party rolling. So without further delay, I present to you Monsters Among Us Beyond, Episode 9. Welcome to Monsters Among Us Beyond. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. And do I have a tale for you. A mystery straight out of an episode of Scooby-Doo. So get comfortable, because tonight we are talking about the Millrace Monster. Tonight's story takes us to the sleepy town of Columbus, Indiana. A small community of about 47,000 people just south of Indianapolis. But it's not the town that we have our eye on, but rather an 83-acre park that lies on the banks of the Flat Rock River. Of course, I'm referring to Millrace Park. Millrace was dedicated in 1963 on land formerly known as Death Valley by locals due to the inhospitable conditions resulting from multiple floods. The park now features a winding river, dense forest, and two small lakes. You'd think a perfect place for a picnic. But as it turns out, it's a perfect place for panic. It was 1974. Nixon had just resigned a few months earlier, and The Exorcist had been striking fear in moviegoers for nearly a year. And on November 1st of that year, in the midst of a week-long heat wave, six lives were changed forever. Monster. Women report seeing Beast in Mill Race. They swear it's true. Six young women told city police Friday in two separate reports that they had seen a mill-race monster once in broad daylight. And whatever it is, the six are agreed. It is one, green, two, hairy, three, large, about six feet tall and walking upright, and four, has claws. Four of the women, whose names police did not list, said they saw the thing about 3 p.m. Friday near the paved boat ramps in the park along White River at the west end of 5th Street. The other two said it jumped on the hood of their car, leaving scratch marks in the paint. That was about 11.45 p.m. No one was hurt, only frightened, police said. Officers searched the area on both occasions, but found nothing. They are hoping it's only a misguided hobgoblin who lost its sense of timing and doesn't know Halloween is over for another year. But just the same, they warned other residents to take care and keep an eye out for the monster. That article ran in the November 2nd edition of the Republic newspaper out of Columbus, Indiana. 
but you guys know me. I'd like to hear it straight from the witness's mouth. The following is a first-hand account from a witness that evening. Tyra Cataline was one of the girls in the car that night. Still, I get funny feelings when I come down here. Tyra Cataline returns to the place where she says she faced an Indiana Bigfoot. We thought we were going to die. All three of us thought we were going to die. It was 41 years ago this November here at Millrace Park in Columbus. Cataline and two other girls were inside a car. They saw movement from afar and then the creature ran up fast. That thing kept throwing itself at the car. It was horrible. It was the most horrible thing you ever looked at. Its face was all slimy and everything. Cataline and the girls drove away, terrified and hysterical. The days that followed brought a search for the mill race monster, later believed to be someone in a costume. But don't tell her that. It was something. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't somebody wearing a costume. It was just a typical evening and shortly after Halloween, we decided to go take our dinner down to the park and eat it and talk. And we were just kind of staring into the dark woods. I couldn't see it. I told them I don't I didn't see anything. Then the other one said, I think I saw it again. And then I saw something moving. It come out of that woods. Oh my God. This thing, it was like nothing I've ever seen in my life. This thing had to be at least seven foot tall. It's not taller. It was taller than a normal man. It on the windshield. It was trying to get in. And we were screaming. I don't know if that agitated him more or what. We were all afraid it was going to come back, but we couldn't move. There was this greenish tinge to the thing's face. I don't know if it had been in the river drinking and got moss on it, because there was so much slime on its face, but he didn't have fangs. And he was trying to bite the glass through, and I was afraid he was just going to tear the door off. I said, we got to get out of here. But the driver's leg was shaking so bad she couldn't get the car started. We were just glad he would get out of there with our lives. Because it was just the most horrible thing you ever saw. But Tyra and her friends felt certain the attack should be reported to the police. There's a monster in the woods. You gotta go down there. A monster? Really? It just seemed like they were laughing about it. He said, oh, a monster, really? I told you they don't Have you been drinking, ma'am? No, it's real. It's out there. You've got to go down there. It's out there. I was going to get somebody. Get a scratch in the car. Come on. So the police walked out to their, their car and did see peculiar-looking scratch marks all over the head of the car. And the car stuck on the outside so bad. It was like decomposed animals. I don't know how else to describe it. I stopped talking about it because I was tired of hearing people say, well, that didn't happen. And they didn't want to listen to the truth. That interview was a combination of two clips. Monsters and Mysteries in America, Season 3, Episode 5, and WXIN, Fox 59, out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Now I should point out that Cataline is the only one out of the six to come forward with her story. And we're going to circle back to that in a little bit. So the girls made their way to the police station, and the story they gave sent Columbus into a frenzy. Millrace monster hunt out of hand. Warnings to would-be hunters of the so-called Millrace Monster were issued today by police and the city park director, Robert Gilligan, 
after a night in which authorities counted dozens of individuals in cars and on foot searching the park at the west end of 5th Street along White River. Some were armed with knives and one carried a club, and authorities fear the prankster who dresses as a monster may get hurt if the hunters don't first hurt themselves or another hunter. Gilligan said it may become necessary to close the park to the public at night, not because of the monster, but because of the public. 28 cars were counted in the park at 11 p.m. Thursday. First sighted last Friday night, the monster was described as large, hairy, and green by six young women. Latest appearance was reported by the city dog catcher, Rick Duckworth, who told police he saw it early today while on a routine patrol. His description was hardly as dramatic as others, however. He said the monster looked to him like a person wrapped in blankets and wearing a mask. That article was published in the November 8th edition of The Republic. To elaborate on Duckworth's sighting, the dog catcher noted in the previous article, the following excerpt was pulled from the November 9th edition of the Indianapolis Star. And for a little context, they're talking about two cats that were stuck in a tree. When Duckworth started toward the monster, the beast took off as fast as a deer and disappeared into the woods. With the monster gone, the two men obtained a ladder and lowered the two cats to the ground. As soon as they hit the ground, the two cats took off like bolts of lightning, with one disappearing into the distance and the other running into a sewer line. According to Duckworth, they were really scared. Duckworth went on to tell the star what he would do if he saw the creature again. He'll try to shoot it with a tranquilizer gun that he carries to catch dogs. He also added that it was nothing more than a large frame man wearing a green mask and green blankets. Despite claims made by Duckworth as to the credibility of this creature, hundreds flocked to the park armed with an assortment of weapons, including knives and guns. Hellbent on capturing the beast. To no one's surprise, it didn't take long for this all to get out of hand. Green Monster No Danger. People are. The Green Monster of Millrace Park did not show up Friday night. What did materialize was the monster's throng of curiosity seekers, and the result is the closing of Millrace Park at night for a while. City police received a call on the monster's whereabouts, but it was a false alarm. Robert Gillikin, park director, said Millrace Park grounds will close at night for the next few nights. The closing is not because of the monster, but because of the potential danger and injury to persons looking for it, Gillikin said. Gillikin said the park is not well lit, and Friday night he counted more than 100 cars in the park at night. The park was closed and barricaded at 1 a.m. today and beginning tonight will be closed at sundown. It's a problem of some potential proportion, he said. Gillikin emphasized the closing was to protect people from each other, not necessarily from what has been called a person dressed up in blankets and playing a game of being a monster. Gillikin said some youths carry knives as they patrol at the park, and if the person playing the monster is caught, he could be hurt. Meanwhile, the Indianapolis Star devoted three columns at the top of page one in its Saturday edition to a story on the monster, complete with illustration. The monster began appearing about a week ago, and one report has described it as a man wearing a green mask and blankets. That article was from the November 9th edition of The Republic. And as fear set in, so did the panic. No Weekend Monster Sightings Today's Situation Report on the Mill Race Park Green Monster shows no reported sightings of the green monster over the weekend. Millrace Park grounds are to remain barricaded and closed from dusk until dawn to protect the monster's public. And the Columbus Police Department has unofficially established a monster control officer 
to field queries from out-of-town reporters to provide details on the monstrous situation. Robert Gillikin, Park's director, said today, Mill Race Park will remain closed at night as a safety precaution for the curiosity seekers wishing to see the monster and for the monster itself. The park was barricaded and closed beginning Friday night. Gillikin said youths were carrying knives and clubs and said they might hurt each other or the monster if it is caught. He did not know when the park would reopen. He said Friday night, 135 cars were turned away from the park. Saturday night, 60 cars were turned away, and Sunday night, some 30 cars were turned away by park department officials at the park entrance. Gillikin said park officials at the barricade did not see the monster. The police department received no reports saying the monster was sighted anywhere during the weekend. The city police department, however, has handled some other kinds of calls on the green monster. Captain Fred Yentz of the Day Shift said on Sunday several calls were received from media in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Louisville. He said he designated Officer Kenneth St. John as the monster control officer for the Day Shift to provide the radio and television stations and newspapers with details on what has been called by many a monstrous situation. And that from the November 11th edition of The Republic. And finally, one last entry on the matter, published five years to the day before I was born. This entry from the November 12th edition of The Republic. Millrace Park closed nightly. No sightings of the Millrace monster were reported to police Monday, but the park will remain closed to visitors at night. The park has been closed at night since Friday as a safety precaution after police reported persons with knives, clubs, and guns searching the park for the monster. Police said the park was closed to prevent persons from injuring themselves or others while they searched for the monster. Now eventually all the fuss died down and life went back to the way it was before the slimy beast slithered into town. Now some 44 years later, all that remains is the testimony of those eyewitnesses and a few faded memories of when a tiny town went monster crazy. Now as I sit here in my studio, sifting through faded newspaper clippings and pirated TV shows on cryptozoology... I begin to paint a picture of what may have transpired that evening. And what I'm about to say is 100% conjecture that I don't even buy into fully. But, here we go. There were several reports of a man wearing a green mask wrapped in blankets or carpet. That was even mentioned in one of the early articles. It was also mentioned that the creature walked up a paved boat ramp. The path of least resistance. And lastly the beast was reported to be no more than six feet tall in height. A fairly average height, I might say. So I guess what I'm trying to say is this. I think some guy got a hold of his kid's Halloween mask and pulled on a fur coat or shaggy blanket. Then, in a hold-my-beer-and-watch-this stroke of genius, decided to head down to the park and scare the kids parked at the pond. And surprisingly, it all worked. Now I know what you're thinking. The creature scratched the paint on the car. Well, sure, if I just crawled out of the lake, I bet I'd have a ton of mud and gravel stuck to my feet. Okay, if you can't tell, I'm having a hard time backing up this particular part of my defense. But let's ride it out and see what happens. Now I can also hear you saying, sure, sure, he might have scratched the paint, but this was November. Who's going to get in the water for a prank in November? Well, here's my response to that. As I mentioned before, the Columbus area was in the midst of a rare heat wave. Daytime temperatures in the area reached 80 degrees, and only as low as the high 50s at night. And listen, I grew up in the Midwest. If it rose above 50 degrees in the wintertime, 
we'd toss on the shorts and flip-flops. And if it hit 80, trust me, that's slip and slide weather. So I find this explanation much more plausible than a six-foot-tall creature finding its way through the city and into the park and hiding there, undetected. Although, I must say, the monster version is certainly much more fun and interesting. Now, if you're one of the ones out there that are listening to what I'm saying and rolling your eyes, you're not alone. When asked about a possible hoax, Tyra Cataline said the following, I know it's real, and what I saw is not a joke. It was not a person in a costume. It was really something that could move around. It could grimace its face. It was growling. It was very aggressive. So people can think what they want to. I know what I saw, and it was pretty bad. I don't want to think about it too long because it still scares me to this day. And as it is with many legends like this, we'll probably never know the truth. We'll probably never lay eyes on the man or beast. But thanks to one small town, at least the story is preserved for us to enjoy. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us Beyond is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Any audio used in the production of this episode was done so under the protection of fair use. A big thank you to Warren and Addy for their contributions to this episode. And music was provided by Mayu and Coag Music. Thank you all for the support, and have a good night. So if you like what you heard, please consider signing up under Patreon. Simply head over to www.patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search for Monsters Among Us podcast. Now the way this works is this. You pledge $4 a month, then you get access to not only the new content that I post, but also everything I've posted to this point. So even if you only pledge one month, that still gives you roughly 30 days to watch and listen to all the content you would like. And if you like what you hear, simply continue the service. Okay, that's it for this weird little episode. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you on the road. It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To get behind the wheel. To go out on the open road. To feel a rush of adrenaline. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle, but it becomes an exhilarating experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open, but the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.